Boom. Yes. Welcome to episode 22 of the Chasing Discomfort podcast. And I'm really pleased I had an opportunity to sit down with one of my own training buddies, Tim Hickford, who, let me just let you know, this guy brings the pain when he works out. Uh, an epic athlete and an even better coach, in my opinion. And it was great to sit down and chew the fitness fat with Tim. Uh, really insightful guy. And uh, I enjoyed it, so I hope you guys do too. Anyway, without further ado, let's get into it. Oh, God. Boom, and we're live. Mr. Tim Hickford, welcome to the Chasing Discomfort podcast. I'm super stoked to have you on as a guest and sit down and chew the fitness fat. But before we dive into that, what does it mean to you to chase discomfort and why? Uh, I guess chasing discomfort to me, Jay, is uh, I guess it's about growth. It's about um, if you think of you know we, we're uncomfortable all our lives in various situations, whether that's the first day of school, a first date with someone. Um, we, we have to get used to managing these stresses, and part of you know getting in the gym and getting yourself uncomfortable, and, and as as you coin chasing that discomfort is. It was learning to be uncomfortable, learning that you're going to survive those situations where you are uncomfortable, whether it's physical discomfort, mental, emotional discomfort. It's it's highly likely going to stop at some point. You're probably going to be much better, resilient, stronger after it. And you're going to be able to deal with it better later on. Um, and and that is a large part of why you know I get in the gym and I, and I make myself uncomfortable. Um, and I know it's that kind of cliche of uh, oh get comfortable being uncomfortable, but but that's true. That is very true. The more uncomfortable you can make yourself, the more you can tolerate discomfort. And particularly, I think in the gym the gym environment or training or, or, or actually you know whatever stimulus you choose to make yourself uncomfortable. It's controlled. So when I go in the gym, I can choose to the time I do that. I can choose the length I do it for, and ultimately I can stop. And having those controlled discomforts just prepares you for when you have the the uncontrolled ones, the things in life that you didn't realize were going to come along, that all of a sudden you're like, ah, oh, fuck, now I'm uncomfortable. But cool. I've been here before. I've I've been in pain. I've been just uncomfortable. I've I've wanted something to stop, and, and I've got through it. So for me, that is that's why I do it. I've been trying to practice this little habit recently called um, smiling in the face of adversity. Yeah. So when that uncontrollable, like you say, comes along, um, you know, whether it might be someone cutting you up or you know, like something not quite going your way. Um, I've just been trying to have this little mechanism in my brain just to sort of say, smile. And it's it's funny, like I remember I heard this where the first time I got in an ice bath and the guy that was talking me through it, he just said, Jay, 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 smile. And the second he said it, I could you can't help but smile when someone says smile. And then everything just sort of come down a notch or two. So, um, yeah, fantastic answer, mate. Fantastic answer. Good. When I think of all the savages, Tim, that I've trained with over my years, and I've been fortunate to share some gyms and some, some workouts with some savages, you are up there, my friend. 
Okay, yeah. thank you. And I've still got this this fantastic memory of you coaching me through the CrossFit workout, Jackie. Oh yeah, nice. Is it one of my favourites? Which for our listeners that are not um, not aware of the workout, it's four time. It's a thousand meter row, fifty thrusters with an empty barbell, and then finishes with thirty pull ups. Now on paper, sounds like a you know walk in the park like most workouts, but I think I PR'd my 1K row with you absolutely screaming at me. Nice. I fell off the rower and somehow managed to hold on to 50 thrusters and then died fully on the pull-ups. But um, your, your savagery, mate, and, and I still remember this because I asked you this question in the gym many, many years ago. And uh, I'll just, for me, watching you train was almost like watching someone possessed. And I mean that in a very positive way because when you went into a workout, you you went hard and you could see that you was fighting every second, every rep, every movement. Um, and I remember saying to you, you know, what what do you think about what goes through your head when you're going for a tough workout? And you talked back a story to me um, when you was in the police force. I think it was within your first few weeks uh, that there was an arrest and some guy got away in a chase from you and you said yeah. you, you just went over that chase over and over again like you was chasing him down yeah i mean i i hate to i hate to lose uh and, and i just do and yeah that particular call that you're talking about we, we turned up at a call and, and a gentleman had um he'd uh had viciously assaulted including stabbing his partner wow. and uh and then he he'd done one and uh i, I chased him and I, I was really young in service. I joined the police at 18, so I was young. I was new to the police force. I remember thinking, like, no, you can't let him get away. You can't. Fuck that. And obviously, he's obviously looking back at me going, I can't get caught. Fuck that. And, uh, yeah, I just gave that. That's the, the hardest. Even to this day, that is the hardest I've ever worked because I just remember being like, no, I'm, I'm going to catch that person. And obviously, you you know, you're in body armor, you're in boots. And this dude was, he was basically dressed for the gym. You know, he's got trainers on, he's got track, he's got a vest. But I, I wanted him. I remember just thinking, that, no, I'm, I'm catching him. I'm going to catch him. I'm going to catch him. And, I've, and, and I did. And I, and I caught him. And, yeah, like, and as you said, like, and I still, to this day, especially when I'm doing, like, uh, like monostructural pieces, so whether it's running, rowing, um, you know, the skier, the bike, Whenever you think like oh, slow down, you're like, no, if you slow down, he'll get away. Just push that little because you can. You could always we well, you know, again, it's that cliche statement of your mind gives out long before your body, but but it does. It's so true. Mm. If um if that man had not committed the offense, then I'd have given up long. If it was just, oh, I bet you can't catch that man, I'd have been like, no, nah, I bet I bet I can't. <laughs> no worries. 400 meters in, I'd be like, fuck <laughs> Um but no, I, I wanted him. And then if you if you can bring that, and you can't always, I'm not sitting here saying that I can always go to that, you know, that 110% dark place. But you can a lot of the time if you want to. If you have that, and um, I was going to say the term motivation there, but I don't think it's motivation because motivation, I think, relies on like, a, like an external um, thing to pull you along. I think it's drive. It's where you have that internal where you're going to go, no, nah, I, I want this, whether it's because you want to, 
you know, progress your fitness because if you want to qualify for an event, whether it's because you're trying to, um, and, you know, win the workout for that particular day or you, you're trying to PB on something. I mean, as you just said there on Jackie, like, you know, the row is a perfect example. You can you can always get on a rower and and you can just send it for 500, 1,000, 2,000 meters. And if you've got enough drive, you can probably always beat your last score within reason because you just can. Hmm. Um, but, yeah, no, I'm pleased I came across as a savage and uh, – and, and again, I hopefully I still bring that same energy in. And this, I guess, something I, I do with everything is um, I, I'm, I'm all in or all out. That's how I, I do everything in life, all in or all out. And as soon as that clock is three, two, one, I'm all in. I'm not thinking about my work or what song is on or anything. I'm just, cool, we're, we're doing this. We're doing 21.59. We're doing... Uh, you know, this deadlift, we're doing a 400 meter run, we're doing this AMRAP. I'm, I'm all in, we're gone. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm pleased that comes across. Yeah, definitely, definitely. So you talked about that drive, that internal drive. What is it that drives you? Uh, good question. Um, I've ever since I've been like super young. I've always been fascinated by what can humans do? What can we do? Because um, you always, obviously, you know, we watch sports and we think, oh, like that person's a different thing. Um, you know, they're not the same. If you, if you think of people as a, as a spectrum, you know, we're, we can be so different. You know, if you think of your normal bloke on the street and then compared to your, your Hathi or Bjornsson, you're like, no, you're not the same animal. You're not. But we are. So I've always, and I've always been fascinated by what can we do? So what can our bodies do? How hard can you push? How much weight can you lift? How uh, many pull-ups can you do? Whatever it is, you know, how hard can you work? So I've always had that drive. And then I, I have, and I'm, you know, ego. Ego is one of my big drivers. I like to be the best i like people to go fuck look at that dude oh shit have you seen how fast he is oh look at that score um you know i'm, I'm unashamedly I, I have an ego and, and uh, i think that's a that's a strong driver um i like to to stand out and people to think fuck that dude's fit um and then i have i do have the the less subtle drivers of um, you know, I, I like being fit and healthy in terms of I, I want to have longevity to my fitness. I want to be able to do a lot of the stuff that I can do now into my later years. Um, and that, that does drive me to push it maybe in a different way because, yeah, you don't need to go full send on, a, on an air bike to, you know, to keep your mobility when you're older. Um, but it's what maybe gets me going in for that mobility session or that accessory work or or even holding back when actually my back's a bit tight today so maybe I don't need to to hit that 90% maybe it's okay and I think that that comes from drive too from that having uh nope you still want to work hard but scale it back or go get a massage or go sit in the ice bath which as we just said it's not comfortable 
But things like that, I guess the drive comes from nah, longevity. Can you keep doing this? Um, I think drives a, drives a big thing. I think that the difference between the, I guess your average person, your average gym goer who's either doesn't enjoy training or is happy with their three times a week or is, you know, they're just consistent. They can be motivated and they can be inspired, but I think they lack drive. Um, and I think that drive is what separates. And by no means am I billing myself as an elite athlete here, but I'm someone who enjoys training. I, I thrive off it and I work hard. And then I think that you know, difference between me and uh, a higher level athlete or professional athlete is they've just got more drive. Um, so yeah, I think drive is what separates the uh, the wheat from the chaff as such when it comes to uh, being uncomfortable. Yeah, I think a lot of people, again, in my humble opinion, by no way are we talking from a pedestal here, um, get, you know, I get motivation from all over the place. Um, I'm not ashamed to say that I get it from Instagram. Uh, I get it from, um, you know, seeing competition workouts, you know, seeing guys pull massive deadlifts. I get it from all over the place. But you can only be motivated for a number of times during a week or a day or a month. What what really is going to pull you through is the discipline. Yeah. You know, on the day where you're, not oh it's raining outside I'll, I'll go for a run tomorrow oh i feel a little bit tired today or or you know um well i was gonna stretch but you know sleep's better for me so i'll just watch an hour of netflix and go to bed so like that that internal discipline i think that when you look at what sets you know the average human to the elite human is yeah like there's some there's always going to be genetic freaks like usain bolt yeah where he's just his stride length, even when he was slowing down, was faster than his competitors. But the guys lining up next to him, you know, and, and you know, and him as well, put in some serious shifts, you know, behind the scenes in the gyms on the days where they don't really feel about it, but they got to get up, show up, and make it happen. Yeah, and it is that it's that actually that consistency because you can't be consistently motivated by external sources. That that comes from, as you said. That, that discipline that I am going to do this because regardless, because we can all make excuses and we could all, we mean you could sit here now and we could come up with a hundred different valid excuses why we shouldn't train tomorrow. Or we could just go and train. And, and I think that's the difference, especially, you know, and obviously, you know, I, I'm, a, I'm a coach and a trainer and I often say to people like, you must spend as much time coming up with excuses just if you trained for the amount of time you put into thinking of reasons not to train, you'd be fucking fitter than I am. Because mm. um, there's always a reason. And again, you know, it's, we're not talking from a pedestal because I, everyone has different lives, different jobs, kids, etc. I, I do understand that. However, there are also people that have all those things going on who still train really hard. Me and you both know people who are they've got kids, they they work busy jobs. Um, you know, they do worse and actually they still train like savages because they're disciplined. They prioritize it over Netflix, over, um, you know, that, that half an hour bath with a glass of wine. Like they have these disciplined in there where, no, I am going to get this done. And th that's just what's going to happen. That's not going to change. 
What would be your best advice to someone who's not as disciplined as maybe they want to be or they're looking for ways to, to ensure that they can be a little bit more disciplined than than they, they currently are? Uh, I think ha habit is a big one. So creating that, that fitness habit. And all humans, we all do this. When we decide, you know, if, we, if we're thinking of someone who doesn't train, who wants to get into fitness, we have these people who go, well, I'm going to do X, Y, Z. And they're going to stop drinking, change their diet, and commit to going to the gym and, and doing all these big, big things. That's just not going to happen because there's too much change. There's no habit there. It's trying to change everything. Uh, actually, and, and I'm doing this with one of my clients at the moment. Well, I'm like, cool. All you need to do is just go for a walk for 20 minutes, three times a week. And most people can get that done. Whether it's you get up 20 minutes earlier, you're doing your lunch break, just get out and walk. And then once we've built that habit, so after three, four weeks, cool. So now we know that walking for 20 minutes is part of your day. Right. Now we're going to turn that walk into a jog. So now we're going to jog for 20 minutes, three times a week. Cool. Now we're now we've we've got a pattern of exercise. So we know on Monday, Wednesday, Friday, 6 a.m., we do a 20-minute jog. How about we do a 25-minute jog? 30. And then as I said, you know, longevity, but that's what we know. No one's in this for the short term. If you really want to get fit, this is a lifelong thing. Within a year, right, you're going for three 50-minute runs every week. And maybe one of those runs, because you know you've got the time becomes a half hour workout or body weight stuff. Maybe that 50 minutes turns into uh, going to the gym three times a week because you've built that habit where you put on your gym kit and you leave your house for an hour, three times a week. We've built that in. Now, yet yeah, that requires a little bit of discipline to start, but not a lot. And you can start wherever you want. It might be just put your gym kit on. When you get in from work, put your gym kit on, and go and go and stand on your fucking drive for 10 minutes. I don't care. Just build in that pattern. So you've come in from work. You don't sit and put on Netflix. You don't grab a beer. You don't sit on Instagram. You put your gym kit on and you stand on your drive. And then you build that into you go for a walk or you do push-ups on your drive or you do something. And then it's just creating that habit where you you discipline for me is for most people is a lack of excuses. So actually, if you take it, I haven't got the time. But you've just been stood on your drive for 20 minutes, mate. So you can do something for 20 minutes. Mm. Um, so that would be number one, make it a habit. And then I think another one is get yourself some accountability. So whether that is, I, I write lists. I don't know my phone is. Every night before I go to bed, I write a note on my phone of everything I'm going to do the next day. Um, and obviously, I try and get them done. And and generally I do because nothing bums me out more than tonight when I go to make tomorrow's list. I go, oh, I haven't done that thing I said I was going to do. And that keeps me a little bit accountable. Mm -hmm. If you need more than that, share that list with someone else, you know, with, with a partner, with a friend. Um, you know, get that accountability where something or someone is going to prompt you to go, have you done that thing you said you were going to do? And just that feeling of going, no, but we, we all hate doing that. And actually, the more you do it, 
you'll just go, oh, fuck no. Right, I'm tired of telling Jay that I haven't been for a run today. So today, tomorrow, I am going for that run. And then when Jay goes, Tim, did, did you do your run? Actually, Jay, yeah, yeah, I did. And you then you'll feel better about yourself. And all it takes is that one, oh, that was better. And then you build that. So, yeah, accountability and small changes is the best way, I think, to build discipline. No, agreed. Agreed. I used to um, put my gym bag on the passenger seat of my car. So nice. when, when I got in from work, when I got, you know, left the office to the car, the first thing I see as I got in my car was my gym bag. So it was that mental stimulus. I cannot go home until I go to the gym. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, it went from not a chore because I used, I used to enjoy training, I still do, but it went from just that home time well things work gym and like you say you build those you build those healthy habits in whether it's waking up half an hour early to go and you know just to walk i've, I've massively underestimated walking um and there's something i've been doing as, as a little healthy habit the last couple of months is after every main sort of meal so breakfast lunch dinner around the block 10 15 minute walk nice yeah and it's um yeah i just I just love it Walk it. I'm a massive walk. I walk. I say every morning, but there's the old one that I don't. But you know, six mornings a week, I'm up early, and the first thing I do is come down, make a coffee, and I, as you said, I just walk around the block. Um, you know, maybe two and a half, three k. Um, but a, I get you moving first of all. First thing in the morning, it gives me time to wake up without because I tend to train early in the morning, but it's not. Boom, wake up straight on the row machine. It's cool. You've got a little bit of time to breathe, to move, to stretch. Time to think, to process my day, to, to look at my list, to listen to a podcast or an audio book, and just time to, for, for me, really. And it's, it's 15, 20 minutes, sometimes 40 minutes, where I just get to come around and, and set up for the day. And it's also like, my legs ache after a walk. Like some, you know, of all the squats and everything I do, like sometimes, especially if you if you walk a bit quicker, you get a couple of k in. You're warm. You, maybe your your calves are a bit tight. Like it's it's underutilized as a as a fitness tool. Um, and yet, it, you know, Matt Fraser going for a walk probably isn't going to do a great deal for him. But most of us aren't Matt Fraser, and we just need to move that little bit more. And a walk's perfect. Yeah. Yeah, if only, eh? If only we was the five-time fittest man on earth. <laughs> so let's rewind it all the way back, Tim. Um, let's, let's walk through your journey. So um, what year was you born and where was you born and raised? Uh, so I was born 1988. Um, I was born in North Walsham in Norfolk. And, uh, yeah, and I, I grew up uh, in kind of Salhouse, Roxham, so the Broads area of, um, of Norfolk. Um uh, and that is where I currently live again now. Um, I moved down to London uh, when I joined the police force. So I spent six years down in the Met in London and uh, between there and Essex. Um, what was the motivation to join the force? Uh, I'm, I'm from a family of police officers. My, uh, my dad has been a police officer all my life and still is. Uh, my mum was when I was younger, and my brother is now currently a police officer. Uh, they were all Norfolk, um, and I, I'm very different to the rest of my family. 
and uh, I never wanted to be. Uh, Norfolk's really small. Norfolk's, you know, is, is a very insular community. I didn't want to be my dad's son, which my my brother is. Uh, and, you know, in Norfolk, uh, there's like I don't know, twelve, thirteen hundred police officers. Uh, when I joined the mayor, I've no idea what it is now. When I joined, there was thirty-six thousand police officers. So you are just a number which most people wouldn't like. They'd like to be part of an organization that gives a fuck. I didn't want that because I would always be, oh, you're Russell's son. Now I wanted, oh, who, who the fuck are you? Uh, you know, I was young, I was 18. Moving to London was exciting. I knew it was going to be a different, you know, growing up in, in Norfolk is, is very, uh, you're very protected. Mm. The, the concept of knife crime, of gangs, of violence, it just, it doesn't happen up here. Um, and then, yeah, London obviously is, is a lot. And I worked in Hackney, which obviously is a, a particularly rough area, or was at the time. It's not as bad now, but it was a quite a rough area of London at the time. Um, so just, it was just a, a challenge. Like, at 18, it was the best education I could have hoped for. Um, what, what was your... Can you remember your sort of first day, your first week, or your first arrest being, you know, an eighteen-year-old in in London? Uh, I, yeah, I can because I, I love a good, I love telling a good police story because police stories blow people's minds because it it did mine. Uh, even though I was from a policing family, I still really had no idea what you do day to day. Um, so I love retelling stories now, and my friends get bored of them. Um, but I, the, the story I was telling, my first call was to a, a stabbing at a college. Um, and so I turned up, obviously I'm um, no idea what I'm doing. I'm super excited because I've just driven, I was the passenger, but I've just driven there on blue lights, which is, that's exciting. I know I'm going to a, a big incident that and I remember getting there, cool, yeah, this guy's been stabbed. All right, sweet. So my more experienced colleague is doing first aid and then someone else comes up to me and is like, I've been stabbed as well. I'm like, what? What? <laughs> All right. So I'll start doing first aid on you. So we've got this guy's been stabbed, having first aid. This guy's been stabbed. And then a teacher comes over and she's like, there's another victim over here. She's been stabbed. And we're like, what? Like, I remember just being like, this would not happen in Norfolk. Mm. No way. Like three people have been stabbed at a college. And it's, it's like half 12 on a fucking Tuesday. Like this is insane. Um, and I remember going home that night and just being like talking to my parents on the phone and being like, it is different down here. Um, but, but, and it sounds horrible to say that's cool because obviously it's not, it's violent crime. Yeah. In terms of policing, that that's what you want to deal with. Like shoplifters, people on their mobile phone in the car. Like th th these are things that the police do, but no one likes well, thanks you for them. But actually taking violent people, dealing with violent crime, that's what you want to do as a police officer. Find the people that commit those offences and get them off the streets. So for me, I remember just being like, no, this is going to be sick. This is cool. What was your proudest moment while you was in the force? Oh, proudest moment. Um, uh, I think, and this... It's it's a weird it's a weird moment. Uh, I we went to a I say we went to we came across me and my colleague were out in a car and we came across a 
a big fight at a house party that, that had kicked off. And it actually turned into a really big incident. But we were one of the first uh, cars there. Um, and uh, literally this dude was, it was a big gang fight. And this dude, was he got stabbed in front of us um, multiple times. And um, we jumped out of the car and the people run off and we've got this dude. And we were like, cool. And then we heard a gunshot up the road and we we're like, shit. Uh, ambulances won't come to violent scenes. So we're like, yeah, this guy's, he's bleeding out. The ambulance isn't going to come. Cool. Let's, we'll take him to hospital, which is, you're not as frowned upon. You shouldn't really do that. Mm-hmm. We put him in the police car. We drove him. Like, I'm giving him first aid in the back. He's got several, like, arterial bleeds. Um, we get him to the hospital. Cool. And, and he survives. And, and it's maybe like 24 hours later on, like, I'm back at hospital with this dude, and um, and he he th- he just said thank you. He said thank you. You saved my life. And in six and a half years of policing, he's the only person who ever thanked me. The only person. Well, for from victims through to suspects through to witnesses, no one ever says thank you as a police officer. And this dude did. And this dude is someone who was he was a gang member. He was you know from the from his record not a particularly pleasant individual but he meant that he was generally he knew fuck without this police officer i would be dead yeah and and that was probably my proudest moment from that being like oh shit yeah i've actually made a difference this is someone who wouldn't be here if me and my colleague hadn't done what we did Mm. um so yes that was probably my proudest moment Nice, amazing achievement, mate. And, you know, well done and, and, and thank you for your service. I think, you know, growing up, um, my my era, my age, there was um, a level of resentment towards the police that I think is very, very, very unfairly justified because, um, you, you know, as, as a kid, kids could be savages and you hear all the sorts of names and the stuff that goes on with people getting up to no good and, you know, I'm not necessarily talking about violent crime. It might be, you know, throwing stones at a police car or, or, you know, something really stupid and mindless as that. But you guys or, you know, the people in the police, you know, they if someone's in trouble, what's the, what's the first number that you dial to? And I don't think people really appreciate that until you're either part of a serious incident um, or, or, you know, you have to call on the services. Um, and, you know, people will always come with the lines, oh, we pay your wages, or fucking hell, my car got broken into and I still ain't come round. But realistically, you know, with the level of officers in the force, you know, someone having a, because they left their laptop on display in their car and having their window smashed for it, yeah, okay, that's a crime that they've been a victim of and in a perfect world that should never happen. Um, was it avoidable? Yes. You know, take your valuables inside. Um, but realistically, on the list of crimes that the police deal with, theft from motor vehicle is going to go right to the bottom of the pile when you're dealing with rapes, murders, kidnaps. Now, all the sort of shit that if it was your sister, daughter or whatever that was victim of, you know, you'd want 
all of those officers attending and dealing with that scene rather than, you know, the, the, the Mrs. Smith down the road who's whinging because no one's turned up because there's no forensic evidence on her car or, you know, she just got a smashed window and she should have took a laptop in, indoors. Oh, a hundred percent. And, and again, as I said, as I said at the start, I was naive to what the police deal with and I'm from a policing family. But if people actually sat and think about all, anything that happens, please deal with it. That is, is it? And the, if the, even if there's a fire, okay, the fire engine goes, but so do the police. Someone dies at home, an ambulance goes. So do the police. Um, if uh, you know, if social services are there, the police are there. If the council or bailiffs are there, the, the police are there. Um, you know, if teachers are having to deal with an incident at school, the, the police are there. We, we, as I always say, we. I'm not in anymore. Um, the police cover everything that you can think of. And as you said, there's a, there's a totem pole. And a lot of the crimes that yeah are really personal and affect the individual greatly. As you said, someone if someone smashed my car window now, I would be annoyed. I would be fuming. And I would, you know, I'd, yeah, I want I need the police I, and I want someone to come and give me a crime number and then blah, 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 blah. But actually on the scheme of what they could be dealing with, that is because they're so low down. No one's going to get hurt by this. The damage is done. It's not getting any worse. Um, and actually, what do you want police to do about it? Because did you see you smashed it? Nope. Is your insurance going to pay for it? Yeah. W what do you want? Like, Because, yeah, actually, that violent crime down the road, someone is going to get hurt. There is evidence to collect. It could escalate. So that's what we need to prioritize. Um but yeah, as you said, people don't, and I, I didn't, and people don't appreciate that. So how long were you in the force for, you said? Uh, six years, just over six years. Six years. And why did you leave? Uh, well, obviously, in the last few years of that, I'd started coaching um, alongside, and I just preferred doing that. I just fell more and more in love with coaching and was spending you know, all my time off, my evenings, my rest days coaching, um and then thought actually yeah this is what i want to do i kind of fell out of love with the policing um uh like role and as i said before like i'm very much a, i'm an all-in all-out person if you haven't got my full attention uh, I'm, I'm kind of done so the minute i thought oh i like this coaching malarkey i was all in but that unfortunately means with the police i'm all out and it's not the policing is not a job you can do half-assed. Um, you know the shifts, the the workload that you deal with, the just the type of crap you deal with. So uh, I thought, nah, done. Left, moved back to Norfolk, opened up a gym, rolled with it, and yeah, that's 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 what made me leave. How did you get into fitness, Tim? Was you always a sporty kid? Now, believe it or not, no, and this always fascinates. I say fascinates, I'm not that intriguing. <laughs> this is always mildly amusing to people that know me. Um, the, no, I was, not, I was not a sporty kid at all. I didn't like PE at school. Um, I didn't really enjoy sports as a kid until I got to college. I was actually like, a, I was a bit of a drama guy, like my A-levels are in English literature, English language, drama. Um, but at college, I also got into rugby. So I played a lot of rugby at college. Um, 
obviously with rugby i then started working out a little bit um and then from there really i just got my, my dad always worked out when i was a kid and i was always aware of training and i i guess there was those few times in my early teens where i I'd do a few push-ups and set-ups in my room because I wanted to, you know, look a bit better. But nothing with any kind of structure or, or consistency. Um, and then, yeah, it was rugby, really. The, as we got into rugby in college, I was – in the when I first got to college, I was one of the bigger guys. And then by the time we got into the second year, I was not anymore. Everyone else seemed to have had these growth spurts, and I did not. So it was a case of, right, well, you need to work. So, yeah, I used to go to the gym after college or, like, in my lunch break. Um, and then you just kind of fell in love with that whole process of, of being uncomfortable. Of, I loved the doms, like, the next day being like, oh, cool, yeah, that, that did that, that did this. Um, and then I got fascinated by the whole, like, the, the, um, the science behind it all. So why does it hurt? Why? And then there, I remember the first, I say remember, but I can recall the first few times being like, well, why the fuck does that muscle hurt? Why? Well, I didn't even know that muscle existed. How was that contributing to that particular movement? Because we all know, right, if you do a load of bicep curls, your biceps hurt. If you do a load of squats, your quads hurt. But then you'd be like, well, why are my traps sore? Like, what was I doing to use my traps? Um and yeah, that's kind of led me down the route of being interested. And then obviously then with the internet, you can just find out everything. And then um, then I found videos of, you know, this workout, that workout that I then go and try and do. Um, and then like the um, like men's health or men's fitness. Or there used to be this terrible magazine called Flex, which is like a bodybuilding magazine. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, and like that was just a savage. Um, uh, and then I got into martial arts, and I started doing jujitsu and boxing. Um, and again, like just through that, you get into various different types of training and fitness, um, and you know, going running and various things like that. Um, and then, yeah, then it's just been, well, fuck, fourteen years, fifteen years later, I'm I'm still doing it. What was, um, can you remember like uh, your first sort of workout where you absolutely ended yourself and you, you sort of think, what the fuck just happened there? I, I can, I can, and this is, it's a weird story in, in numerous aspects. I remember finding the workout, the CrossFit benchmark workout, Cindy. Mm -hmm. um so one of my favorite workouts to this day but so obviously 20 minutes five pull-ups 10 pushes 15 squats and I, I was maybe 17 and i remember thinking like oh cool i'm i'm pretty pretty fit i'm gonna crush this workout and this was before i really understood the concepts of range of motion um or standards and uh i remember like looking through some scores and seeing people again like 25 26 rounds and being like oh i call that that seems good and then i absolutely sent it like i, I just fucking went ham because i wanted to try and get these scores because i thought oh, these scores are achievable and and they're not when you're new they're just not 
and I remember like 10 minutes in being like boiling and um I, I'm covered in tattoos and uh I, I think I only had one or two maybe at this time but my um my granddad to this day has never seen my tattoos and he's not allowed to he would not approve and I remember being in like the last minute of this workout dying with my top off dying and hearing him call from my driveway like Tim are you in the garage and being like ah oh, fuck <laughs> I remember trying to put my t-shirt back on whilst I was dying and getting like I was just fucked I couldn't move my arms because I'd never done something like that before up until that point I was still a a back and buys kind of guy chest and tries and I remember saying, this is I think I got like fucking seven or eight rounds or something and I couldn't put my t-shirt on. I just turned my back on him as he came in the door so he couldn't see my chest tattoo and be like, oh, yeah, hi, Grams. I'm just trying to get this fucking top on. <laughs> and he was, I remember him just being like, what is wrong with you? Like, why you, you like you're dying? <laughs> and uh, and I was. And it, and it wrote me off for the rest of the day. And, I, that, and that's what first kind of formed my love with, like, high intensity. That fuck. That 20 minutes. And, and I had doms for days. Like, cool. That is That felt like... I just did every workout I've ever done in 20 minutes and got more. Mm. Intensity is king. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, yeah, that, that was the first time where I really thought, ah, I don't need to spend 90 minutes doing isolation exercises. Mm. I can just send it for 20. And Cindy, is to this day, is my favorite workout. It's the one I go to when I'm short on time, but I just want to fucking bury it. Um, in various different formats, I'll do it for a bit longer. I'll do it in intervals. I'll do it as an imam, like. But yeah, I think it's a banging workout. I've seen you. Um, I've seen you just ripping out the pull-ups. What, what's your current sort of Cindy PR? Uh, my so I do. I only do strict Cindy. Mm -hmm. I very rarely kip or butterfly. So my strict Cindy's thirty-two nineteen. Fucking hell. Uh, I only know that because I did it not that long ago, maybe five weeks ago. Mm. Um, but it's my jam. Like, I do it at least every other week. I love it. Um, and, yeah, and uh, yeah, I'm, I'm good at pull-ups. I got good at pull-ups. I fractured a facet joint in my spine four, maybe five or six years ago now. And... I mean, I couldn't flex my spine for a long time. I, I couldn't train for six months. And then I re couldn't really do anything apart from dips and pull-ups. So all I did for months was dips, pull-ups, dips, pull-ups, but thousands of the things a week. Mm. I was used to training six days a week, multiple times a day, and all of a sudden I, all I can do is pull-ups and dips. So I just do pull-ups, dips, pull-ups, dips, pull-ups, dips. And I just got really good at fucking pull-ups. Like, really, my dips still aren't that great, to be fair. But my pull-ups just got good. Um, and I just carried that on. Like, so, yeah, I said I do Cindy a lot. I do a lot of pull-ups in my, like, strength work. Um, and, yeah, I've just ninja at pull-ups. What's, what's your pull-up sort of PR? Uh, strict. My max strict is 36. Wow. Um and then, but I can do a, you know, my one rep max in terms of load is just under my body weight. So it's like 82 and a half kilos. <laughs> like 
for a rep. Um, but then, yeah, that, that just something I'm strong at. Like, that's a big number, but comparatively, my squat probably isn't that impressive. When people hear my pull up, they're like, fuck, what can you squat? And I'm like, <laughs> like nowhere near, really. Like, you know, don't be too impressed. I'm just good at pull ups. Yeah. That Cindy score, though, that's got to be um, up there. Have you seen, do you know what the sort of alleged world record is? or like? I, I don't. Um, I, I've, I've watched videos of, you know, a few years ago, of like uh, Fronin and Dan Bailey doing like 33, 34 rounds. Right. Um, I think there's, there was a video a few years ago of Chris Spieler doing 35, but it kind of got slammed a bit for his, his range of motion. Mm-hmm. Um, There'll be some freaks out there. Over, you're not gonna. No one's getting forty rounds because you ain't doing a round every thirty seconds for twenty minutes. You're just not. So I think that that thirty five, thirty six is that's just as fast as people can move. Mm. Um, you're not gonna get much faster than that. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm pleased with that score. That's one of my better workouts, and it's something I've maintained. Um, you know, my my Fran scores not compared to. I mean, you. you were around cross at the same time as me when you know the idea of a a sub three minute fran was like fuck that's ninja and now you've got dudes doing like 140s and you're like no but how like how have they got 50 percent fitter like you know we're all trying to just keep our 250 fran and they're doing fucking 90 seconds um but my cindy is hopefully still up there with a oh that's a good score mm. No, that's a, that's a big score, mate. That's a big score. Can you remember um, how you come across CrossFit? YouTube. Mate, definitely YouTube. Through, um, uh, oh, fuck, what's his name? Um, the Mark Twight, who's the... Um, is this the guy from, what's the gym? Is it Jim Jones? He was originally Jim Jones. Yeah, he's now uh, he's left Jim Jones now. And he has a non-profit, so he was the the three hundred guy. Yeah. Um, but this is, I think, this is before three hundred, maybe around the same time as three hundred. Mm. Um, but yeah, I just got viewing some of his stuff. He um he wrote he wrote a lot of blog posts and a lot of cool stuff, and done a lot of um articles just around fitness and especially a lot of the mental side of fitness and uh, the work ethic side and so through him because then it was a I, I was reading his stuff and then it was that oh jim jones versus crossfit article uh and i would be like oh, what's crossfit like and then going down that rabbit hole then jim jones was still a relatively unknown at that point whereas crossfit which was still super unknown mm. But there was lots more on it because they had a better website. They had a lot more YouTube videos. Um, you know, the, the the games was was happening. The first games was about to happen. Um, so there was just more there, and that, yeah, that's where I kind of found it. Um, but there was CrossFit. You know, when people get into CrossFit now, there's so much to it. You know, the there's boxes everywhere. The kit you can just buy. You, the idea, you couldn't get a medicine ball. The first few years I was doing CrossFit, medicine balls weren't a thing. Like you used to have a basketball that you cut open, you filled with sand, and then you duct taped it shut. That was your medicine ball. Um, you, you had to make your own plier boxes. Like 
air bikes and ski ergs didn't exist they hadn't been invented um and even the idea of kipping like the idea of kipping was like what the fuck are they doing mm. um and yeah it was, it was just through that that youtube and then the the concept of ah oh, my workout can be scored and you used to post it on the main site so they put up the daily workout you'd go off and do it and then you put your score in the comments to all these other people around the world um and and yeah, that that's what first kind of got me into ah oh, cool it's like a it's a you know community it's a um it's a group thing it's almost like a fitness league wasn't it an unofficial yeah. fitness league where you could see where you pitched you know with your score with other people that was you know wanted to throw down some savage fitness workouts and you know i remember looking at the dot com days and just wishing I could do an RX workout. Yeah, uh, that's the thing. And every now and then they'd be like a body weight workout. That you, yeah, I can RX it. Mm. Oh, I got a shit score. <laughs> um, but yeah, because you would. And some of them, like in those days, you'd be like, I don't even know what that is. Um, especially when like, they'd be like, I need to use a, a 1.5 pood kettlebell. <laughs> what the fuck does that even mean? <laughs> Or, or trying to overhead squat, you're like, mate, I can barely squat, I don't overhead squat. Yeah. Um, and obviously now, you know, CrossFit's come a long way. They never used to post scaling options. There was The concept of scaling was, well, if you can't do it, mate, figure it out. Mm. Um, but it was cool. I, I, you know, in nostalgia is a wonderful thing, but I loved those days of CrossFit. Like, I think the programming was better. I think the the excitement around it as you said that kind of league i was like cool i couldn't wait to get up and see what the workout was and then be like fuck yeah mm. and then you had all the other deviations so yeah and then you had crossfit strongman and then crossfit football which i don't think exists anymore nice um and and all these various things You're like oh cool there's like there's options here but i can still compete against these against People I've never fucking met and never will. Um, and I used to, then I used, to, I used to follow a day like in arrears so that I could like see what the scores were and then and then try and beat them. Mm. Um, and then you'd be like, oh fuck, I got a good score. I must have done something wrong because there's no way like there's no way I'm top of the leaderboard. Um, and then you'd be like, oh, it was five rounds, not three. Or oh, it should have been this way. Um, but yeah, those were cool days. I miss those. What's the worst workout you've ever done? Worst is in the one that's just absolutely ended you. There's been so many, <laughs> so many workouts that have just, and I think, so there are some workouts that, like, while you're doing them, you fucking hate them. From three, two, one, go, you just hate it and there are some workouts that they're not that that you're doing them and you're good and you're enjoying them and then you finish and then your world ends and you just are written off for a long time um i think two so one of the worst experiences of a workout i actually like the workout fight gone bad mm. i love it uh, as a workout but i did it at a competition once um and obviously that's a workout that you can really send it on 
Yeah, this is max. It's a minute of different max stations. And I remember getting two rounds in, and you get that minute rest and just sitting, finishing the, the row and being on the row and just not knowing what to do with myself. And then I remember looking across, and uh, there was a guy in the lane next to me, uh, a guy called Barry Mayers. Um, and he just looks at me and he, he grins. <laughs> He's just grinning. And I remember just being like, no <laughs> like i literally feel like i can't do another round and you look quite happy that we have another round and i remember in my head thinking why do you do this why if if you just stop now you're a nobody if you stop no one's going to give a fuck if you just get up and walk off this this floor no one's going to care no one's going to question it um just just stop why are you doing it fake an injury fuck it like just just walk away but you didn't and i remember oh pretty much just wanted to cry for that whole last round just being like no i'm never doing this again i'm not i'm not going to compete i'm not going to work out fuck it i'm just going to be fat fat people seem happy fuck <laughs> it um so that was a fucking miserable experience the worst workout that i've done is in like finished it and then just right off um i did a workout with a with um obviously robert cm2 and nick rouse and mike palmer and leo all the kind of monsters back in the day of a 500 meter row 21 thrusters at 60 kilos 500 meter row 15 500 meter row 9 500 meter row so it's 2K a rowing and 45 relatively heavy thrusters. And I'm pretty good at rowing. I'm not that good at thrusters. I remember just sending, absolutely sending it, dying a little bit on the thrusters, but getting on that last row and being like, oh, I might catch them. I might, if I send it, I might catch them. And I did, I, did, I sent it, I did not catch them. <laughs> um, and I remember that we, it was meant to be the start of the training session. And that was me done. <laughs> I, was, I was, let's go Costa, done. Written off just my forearms were jacked. My, I had that horrible thran throw. I, you know, your legs shake. Um, you want to be sick, but you can't. And it was just awful, awful. And the last for hours, doesn't it? Where you're just an absolute write off. And you're waiting for those endorphins to kick in and they just don't come. 99% of the time, even if you, you suck on a workout, you finish and then 10 minutes later, you're like, woo, yeah, endorphins, baby. Mm. Let's do that again. And this just didn't happen. I was just sitting there thinking, no, this, I feel awful. I still feel awful. Still, yep, still awful. They're all training. I still feel fucking awful. And you know, like, it must be something wrong. Like, I must have fucking hemorrhaged or something on that work because <laughs> I'm not right. Um, so, yeah, that's probably the worst one in terms of just the feels afterwards. We had Cole Stedman on the podcast last week, and um, we was talking the same similar thing, but with Kelsu. Yeah, yeah, that's another one. It's like, it's thrusters. I mean, it's just because th thrusters, obviously, no one likes them. Anyone who says they does is a liar. Um, <laughs> But I think it's just that that lactic that they build up, as well as that like fucking oxygen debt that you get from 
A, the movement is so big and power hungry, but yeah. also slamming that bar into your throat every time. Yeah. And then people are like, oh, like, oh, well, rest, rest with the bar overhead. And you're like, oh, fuck you. <laughs> but yeah, just rest holding a bar over my head, you prick. Yeah. Um, they just, yeah, they suck. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a fantastic movement. Um, for the guys listening that are not aware of what a thruster is, it's basically a front squat into a push press, so like a, the bar finishing overhead. And uh, you typically do it as fast as you possibly can. And it sounds easy enough, but your uh, your forearms get fried, your shoulders get fried, your core, your quads, your calves, down to your little toe. It's, uh, yeah. I think it's that forearms that shocks it shocks me every time. And mm. it shocks people when, especially when you do it with, you know, with a pull-up or a total bar. Or I remember that in the open one year, there was like, three rounds of 15 thrusters, 15 chest to bar. If you get that done in, in four minutes, you get another four minutes to do it again. And trying to hold on for a chest to bar after so you do the first round, you're fine. But then just having your wrist in that flexed position with the bar, none of the lactic gets to clear. Mm. And you get back on that pull-up bar and you're like, why is my grip gone? Like, why? I was doing a squat. What's my grip doing? But there's just nothing there. And it is, yeah, just disastrous. And but that's what makes them good. And if it's not worse enough to have all that going on, like you say, you have got the bar sitting on your windpipe. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're a terrible movement, really. Yeah. So let's go back to to your gym. You opened your gym in what year was that? Uh two thousand fourteen. And talk talk me through that. Uh so that was um. It was a big step. Uh, again, this was back in the day when box CrossFit boxes were few and far between. And you were just happy, a CrossFit box, you were just happy if they had wall balls or, or, you know, it just wasn't a normal gym. I remember the first time I walked into CM2 and being like, oh, a rig, a fucking rig. This is cool. Um, so, you know, it was, it was good. Like, I started it in my garage initially. Um, just got a few, like, local people come to train in the garage, which was fun. Then found a unit, opened up in there. Uh, that was in there for six, just under six years. Uh, then moved it to a bigger unit um, where it's, it's still going. And I've actually recently, I've just recently sold my uh, part of the gym. Um, to go and pursue other other fitness avenues, um, but it's still you know it's it's still going. So it's been running for yeah eight years now. Um, but I think we were the second CrossFit box in Norfolk, and there's now uh, one, two, three, four, six or seven. And Norfolk's not it's a big county, but it's not a very densely populated county. So it's a lot of boxes. Mm -hmm. um, and I remember, you know, when there was CM2 and then there was, there was CrossFit Norwich. That was like the next nearest one. Whereas now, obviously, there's there's a few in Chelmsford. They're all over Essex. London is just riddled with them. Yeah. Um, yeah, they're, they're everywhere. Um, but it was cool. Like, I loved running the gym. Um, it's, it's, a, it's a unique lifestyle, particularly back in the early days because it was still new. Um, Getting kit was hard. Um, 
attracting people to CrossFit was hard because it was seen as this super elite, always scary type thing. Because all the the YouTube videos were of the CrossFit Games or of the elite. Mm. Um, so it was it was challenging, but it was fun. It was cool. I had a good lifestyle. I got to train a lot. I just got to hang out at a gym all day. Um, so yeah, I, you know, enjoyed it. I think CrossFit now has taken a bit of a. It's kind of gone the other way now. I think CrossFit has lost its maybe it's, its eliteness a little bit. I think where it has gone so far down the road of scaling and, and everyone can do CrossFit and this and that. I think you know a lot of boxers end up with a majority of a membership that maybe needs to adapt more than they did back in the day where me and you were probably probably primed i, I mean a, scaling was a rarity before whereas i think scaling now is probably the norm yeah. i'm not just saying that's a bad thing mm -hmm. um, i just think it's different yeah it's, it's become more an inclusive uh, method of fitness isn't it yeah 100 100 um but I think I think CrossFit has done wonders for fitness, for individual sports, things like Olympic weightlifting, for um, endurance sport, for for rowing, um, and for the exposure to to functional fitness, to high intensity fitness, to um, just that style of training. Um, and uh, yeah, that will be something that you know. CrossFit or not, work at a box or not, I think once people have been exposed to it, I think they will always carry an element of that into their training going forward. Yeah. Because um, it is like, especially, you know, old school CrossFit, it made you uncomfortable. That's what it was. It was trying to be the top of the whiteboard. It was, you know, trying to beat that person in your class. You know, we had those groups, at C especially at CM2, where it was, oh, fuck, what's, what's Redden got? What's Jay got? What's Chris Salmon doing? Like, and it was cool. And there was always some dude, oh, fuck, this is going to be his workout because he's a better runner than me or he's a better this. And then you like, yes, this is my workout because I fucking love, you know, rowing or double unders or, or whatever it is. Um, and, yes, yeah, so I think once you've been exposed to that, you'll carry that across into to whatever training you go on to. You're, you're either going to take that with you or you're sure as fuck going to miss it. Yeah. You're going to look back and go, yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying this powerlifting, but I'm missing that intensity maybe. Mm. So on that note then, Tim, what's your current sort of training philosophy? Um, I guess it was objective-based is probably the, the best way I can put it. Ob objective-based. I think, and again, this I think this is where CrossFit – lost its way a little bit is we we well it started assuming that everyone had the same objective which was to, to be like a games athlete you know that i think that's the kind of way it was going and actually that's not and that's not my objective like and again as, as a trainer and a coach i have this a lot when you sit down with people and you really try and get out of them why do you train why why and people are like, i want to do this i want to do that you know why 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 and when you hit most people want to, their primary driver is probably they want to look better naked or feel more confident in their bodies. They're two people's main drivers. And then we have the the just as important, but maybe slightly less, the longevity, the the 
be healthy into um, later life, all those things. So I spend a lot of time thinking of my objective. What do I want to achieve? And then I have to tailor my training around that. So, so I fractured my back a few years ago. Um, and you do that? Uh, digging, believe it or not. Well, I, I, they suspect I had a hairline fracture probably from a, a, a kooky lift at some point um, in my career. Um, and then I, I hit a, a submerged pigsty with a shovel. Right. And the, the, the reverberations of that just made this hairline fracture split. Um, it was awful. It was very, very painful. Long time off training. It's fucking sucked. Um, but since I've come back from that, I've been limited. I was limited for a long time. And I kind of had to make my peace with you're probably not going to be as good as you were at certain things. So I'm not, I don't know because you never know, but I've accepted that I will probably never PB my snatch again or PB my clean and jerk. Um, and then you have to go, okay, right, that sucks. Blah, 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 but okay, what's your object? Why do you train? Why? Because do you need to snatch 120 kilos? No, it's cool. It's cool. Don't get me wrong. I don't need to. Because my objective is look and feel good about myself, see what my body can do, and then be fit and able in my, my later years. Snatching 120 kilos isn't crucial to any of those. Seeing what my body can do, maybe. But actually, I can test that in other ways. How fast can I run 5K? How fast can I row 2K? How many pull-ups can I do? What can I deadlift? How what atlas stone can I pick up? Like we can still have that testing. Um, so, so I'm big on objective-based. That fuels a lot of my training philosophy now. So what do I want? And then how does that translate into my programming? So, right, maybe do, do I need to just bury myself on High intensity, five minute workouts every day. N no. Am I going to be better doing a couple of longer pieces, a couple of strength days, and then really sending it once or twice a week? Yeah, that's going to be the way. Am I going to be better spending one of those sessions that I might have gone and done heavy Olympic lifting now doing mobility or um, yoga or? Or just recovery, you know, maybe some hot cold therapy, maybe uh, going for a walk. Is that going to be more crucial? Yeah, and I, I think I'm, I'm arguably the the fittest I've ever been. You know, in terms of like measurability, if you think something like an EMOM, um, you know, where I say I'm doing rowing, air bike, and up downs, my numbers are up where you know they they were when I used to compete at a peak and and more mm -hmm. so I'm, I'm fitter than i've ever been um and i can still send it like a motherfucker you know i can still do uh, a 120 500 meter row um but just being a little bit more sensible around where and how i send it yeah um to to follow that objective to right can you be doing this in 10 years? Is this going to help you feel better about yourself? Or like, I could go out and try and snatch and then pull my back and then I'd be fucking miserable. 
that's not going to make me feel better about myself. Or I can just snatch up to 70, 80 kilos, have a good day snatching and walk away and feel good about myself. Or I can push for that 90, 100, 90% chance my back will get tight and then I'll just be fucking miserable. Didn't you go through a stage of snatching 100 kilos in all different types of footwear? I did indeed, and, and that might be one of the contributory factors <laughs> to my back. Um, yeah, so I snatched 100 kilos in a, in yeah, just I and this was again because I'm I'm not the I have weird like weird ideas and methodologies, and I missed a hundred kilo snatch in a comp. I'd snatched it a few times before, then I missed it, and I thought I never want to have that again. I want to walk up to 100 kilos and know I can snatch it, just boom. And I was like, quite right, well, if I'm gonna do it in all weird footwear, I'm just gonna do it. Because if I if I know I can just snatch a hundred kilos like that, then in the comp I'm not going to freak out. Because I was just giving it too much power. See, so yeah, I snatched hundred kilos in. Uh, first of all, I did it barefoot. Then I did it in flip flops. Did it in pair of wellies. Did it in my dad's slippers. Uh, some boat shoes. Some Uggs. Uh, a pair of like moccasins. Um, I did it in someone else's sliders. Uh, this is all back on my Instagram. Um, and then, then I was like, oh, cool, well, I'll do singles. I'll start doing doubles. So I was doing like, you know, a snatch, hang snatch in a pair of wellies or a snatch, hang snatch in a pair of fucking Crocs. Like, yeah, that was uh, yeah, just something I did. Uh, and then in my healing journey uh, from my back fracture, I happened to mention this to my osteo uh, one day, and he was just like, you're a fucking idiot. <laughs> you're just a fucking idiot. And I was like, yeah, like in hindsight, I can see that that probably wasn't the uh, the safest, yeah. smartest move to do, you know, snatching, which is a very unstable movement in a pair of wellies that are too big for you. Just the risks involved in that. And it's like, you fucking idiot. Like if, if one of my clients now said they were so they were squatting in wellies, I'd be like, stop, don't. You're going to fuck yourself, mm. let alone doing an explosive, heavy movement. Like, yeah. How to be young again? I admire and uh, the and was very entertained by the method in the madness, seeing what footwear you was going to choose that week to, you know, yeah. to, and to make a hundred kilo, you know, like a baseline snatch, knowing that you could hit that on any day, uh, you know, in footwear or in no footwear, is 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 still you know some remarkable achievement. I, when I was speaking to Cole last week, he said that. Um, Pat Sherwood from CrossFit Lynchpin. Basically, he was analysing all the data from behind the whiteboard. Yeah. And he was basically saying, on any given day, if you can pull a 150 deadlift uh, or do Fran in under five minutes, then you're in the top percentile in the world. Yeah, which is nuts, isn't it? Like, yeah. So, you know, they're, they're, they're more than achievable goals. Um, but, you know, you sometimes, I, I know I did, I got very caught up in constantly chasing uh, to the point that I burnt myself out and, you know, like I was doing Metcon after Metcon after Metcon, heavy, you know, going as heavy as I could daily and you just, yeah, like you have, you have to go through that. I think it's almost like a, um, I've heard someone call it the fitness menopause. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's good. I like it. Yeah, but you're right. I, I did it. Um, I did it. I I watch people do it now, and and you can't tell them. 
they can't. You're right. They need to go through. They need to go through that. Yeah, now I need to do another Metcon, another Metcon, and I'm going to do some cleans, and I'll go have a coffee, and I'll come back and do some gymnastics, and I, or have a rest, fuck face, or do some mobility, or, you know, yeah, all right, you want to snatch, but just do the PVC. Let's do some mechanics. No, no, I need to, I need to get the a PB. You're not going to PB every day. You're just not. Um, but, yeah, we all go through it, don't we? Talk to me about Tribe, Tim. Tribes, yeah, so Tribes is my new venture. Um, I want to do something a little bit different. Uh, so Tribe is, for me at the moment, is it's a project of education. And obviously, it's a business side of it as well. It's how I do my programming and my, my personal training and my coaching and stuff. But I'm also developing a lot of education around it because – I think there's so much um, mystery and misinformation around the fitness industry. Fitness at its base level and, and nutrition uh, for most people is pretty simple. We all know that we need to move a little bit more. We all know foods that are, and I hate the term good and bad foods, but we all know foods that we should probably eat less of and we should maybe eat more of. That's not hard. No one is sitting on their couch watching Netflix going, this is good for me. No one is eating a McDonald's going, oh, this is this is good nutrition. There's lettuce in the Big Mac. There is lettuce in the Big Mac. <laughs> um, but actually trying to quantify that for people and – and as I alluded to before, it's that habit. It's that what's our behavior? Why are we obsessed with junk food? Why are we not prioritizing our, our health and fitness? And um, I actually put something on my Instagram today about um, people will work themselves to the bone to buy a new car to ha or a new TV or a new phone to have to have a high-performance something new, a physical high-performance asset. But they will not put that same work or financial investment into themselves, mm. which, when you think about it, is so stupid. If you, if I, I would go and get a loan out and buy a new car just to have a new car that in a year is now an old car and is no longer the best car around. Or I could put that same time and money into myself and I could have a, a new car body every day. You know, I could you can turn yourself into a, a Ferrari. Mm. So you've always got a high performance vehicle because it's you and you're gonna have it forever. That's the thing you're gonna park in the fucking graveyard is your body. Mm. But none of us wanna do that. So tribe for me is initially that project of education, right? Trying to get people to prioritize, to understand the hows and the whys. Um, how to build good habits, how to um, embrace that discomfort, that change, that um, routine. And a lot of it comes from just naivety, I guess, and lack of education. And that, I think that's my, my point is, although people understand the basic concepts, they don't understand the application and they don't know the hows and the, the how do I make this part of my life? And that's what I'm trying to or hope to try and do with Tribe. So with, with all my clients, like I don't just do programming and training. With them, I sit down and I go, right, how do you sleep? 
What's your food like? What's your lifestyle? Do you like your kids? Do you like your job? Um, what do you do of an evening? And then how can we build these things? Right? Have you read this book? No? Cool. Read that book. What do you do before you go to bed? Right? Put your fucking phone down. Um, you know, I've got clients uh, buying timer switches for their Wi-Fi box so that actually at 10 o'clock the plug turns off and then they're, they're, you can't sit on Instagram till fucking 11 a.m. Um, I've got them getting up half an hour earlier and going for that walk. Um, and and it's all those simple things that through tribe, I want to try and get out to people. And just things that I've learned along the way through my own experience. I'm a big experimenter on myself. Mm. So I love trying things being like, all right, cool, I'll try it. And then I'll be like, yeah, no, didn't feel that. Or fuck, yeah, that was good. Whether it's through exercise, whether it's through um, – different nutrition elements, um, whether it's through, through gadgets or gimmicks or, um, you know, whatever the latest trend is. Right, let's, let's do it. Before you will go and spend fucking hundreds of pounds on something that doesn't fucking work, let's see if it does. And then I can give you my, you know, my objective view. Yeah, that CBD oil works for me. Might not work for you, but it works for me. Uh, keto diet? No, I wouldn't bother. You're just going to get fat. Um, or whatever it is. Mm. So yeah, tribe initially is a project of education, uh, and then it is, yeah, it's obviously it's also my my new business as such. Um, but but it's cool. Obviously, the, you know, the name came from that. I guess those old school days of CrossFit. Of you know, you were a tribe. Like you all came together. You had a common culture, a common goal, and that's what I want people to have. Is right. What, what do you want to achieve from? train in this group and can this group support you in that objective and yeah we can we just can yeah that sounds epic mate and you know i was listening to rob wolf earlier and he was saying from we've had a turning point you know in the first two and a half million years of the sort of human being homo sapien being on this planet of earth from, from 2005 the most common cause of death is because of non-activity or what we're putting in our mouth you know and that there's there's stats to back up any argument i i get that um but you know i don't i try not to get too political on these podcasts i think the epidemic really what we're in is you know we're uh, it's almost like a self-harming epidemic forget covid for now and i'm not trying to skate over that because you know people have obviously lost loved ones to that but you know we're we're in a period of human existence where we've got like you say we've got the best tech that we've ever had the, the science is always developing and understanding new strategies and the, the way things work but we're barely scratching the surface when it comes to the brain you know the the biology um you know what you have for breakfast on a monday might influence what you have subconsciously for a, a dinner on a friday evening um, and you know we're we're at that point really where it needs people like yourself that have that education because I'm still gobsmacked to this day that you know for us to survive on this earth master the basics what do we actually need well the air is created by the trees and plants around us so that's that's good it's a thumbs up we don't have to worry about that. We luckily in this country we've got running water. You know whether you're a, a tap water snob or not. You know you can walk into a shop and get a bottle, bottle of mineral water. So that's another tick. But then the food, 
what we put in our mouths that that has so many knock-on effects to the trillion of cells in your body and you know the processes that go on that we don't fully know um it, it's just al really alarming to me that you know you've only got one body and people uh just either through non-education naivety or almost like a self-harming mechanism don't want to look after it or don't know how yeah uh and i think it's there's never been such an easy time to look after yourself like but there's also never been an easier time to harm yourself as well that the you can find out anything you want about your fitness on the internet you can and there's loads of crap out there and you've got to separate it all but the education is out there if you want it but it's also really easy to entertain yourself for hours on end with mindless, you know, Netflix, uh, um, Instagram, fucking Amazon Prime. Like this is everything. Mm. Also, we we as I said, we know so much about sports science now. We know how to get fit. We know how to do all these things. But I can also get anything I want delivered within twenty four hours. Mm -hmm. I don't need to go out and move. Yeah. Um, I can play a sport on my TV and feel like I'm involved in it and, and actually not do anything myself. Mm. I guess this comes down to that. It's that comfort versus discomfort. We know better than ever how to make ourselves uncomfortable, but we also know better than ever how to make ourselves comfortable. Yeah. And a lot of people will unfortunately choose comfort. The comfort crisis. Yeah, exactly. Tim, I think now's a perfect time, mate, to jump into our standard chasing discomfort questions that we wrap the podcast up with. Yeah. What's the best advice you've ever been given? Uh, I was from my granddad, and it was uh, not to marry myself to any ideas. So, and, and by that, he just meant, you know, you can have you can have the world's strongest opinion on something. But if you receive new information, new education, you can change your mind. That's fucking fine. Mm. Don't, and we all do it. We get so belligerent and so, nope, I believe this and I'm not. No, don't marry yourself to that idea. If you, it's okay to change your mind. And I, I, that, I think that helps with loads of things because you can go, oh, no, no, no. Ah, oh, oh, I didn't know that. Mm. Yeah, no, you were right. Um, so, yeah, don't marry yourself to your ideas. Great advice. What's the one non-negotiable rule that you live by? Um, it's rule was hard, but this is kind of a mantra I always think, which is memories are more important than money. Um, and that is something that I always, if people, when people go, oh, do you want to, do you want to do this? And I'm like, a lot of people go, oh, I'm like, no, fuck it. Is, is the memory going to be worth it? And I'll worry about the financial implications later. Is the memory going to be worth it? And, and that's with everything, you know, whether it's social events, whether it's this, whether it's that, I, or do you fancy doing this? Are you going to come work out? Yeah, why not? Like, it would be a good memory. It would be fun. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's a rule I try and live by. It's very easy to say no and to prioritize other things. But, yeah, memories are more important than pretty much everything. Cool. Favorite quote? Uh, my favorite quote, and, again, I love this, is uh, it makes me sound like a bit of a snob. And I don't, I'm not necessarily saying that I fit into this top bracket. But it's... Um, Great minds discuss ideas, average minds discuss events, and small minds discuss people. Um, and I think that's that's you know, I think that's a problem with as a human condition is we love to talk about other people, 
And actually, if we spent more time talking of ideas, of our thoughts, our feelings, we'd probably A, all get along a lot better and we'd probably get a lot more fucking done. Yeah, absolutely. Dream car. Uh, I'm not really a big car person, but I love trucks. Big, wide, high fucking trucks, which I know is like a cliche man thing to do. So uh, the, where I live out in Norfolk, there's quite a few um, US Air Force bases. Mm-hmm. So you see them rolling around in there, these big Dodge Rams or the Ford um, F-350 Raptors, <laughs> something like them, where you know, I saw one the other day at Sainsbury's and it was parked across four parking bays <laughs> and it was, you know, it needed them. Like, yeah. and uh, I've, obviously part of me is like, how'd you get that in a multi-story? You can't. Um, but yeah, something like that. If I could have anything, I'd have a fucking jacked truck. Mm. I remember being in Florida for the first time and thinking, what the hell is that? Is that a plane coming to land? <laughs> and it was like the double axle Ford, just absolutely chugging along like 15 Harleys flying past you, you know? Yeah, I mean, they're, they're massive in name. Yeah. Two dinner guests you'd invite, either dead or alive. I mean, this was huge. Like, this could go, go anywhere. And there's probably quite a few controversial people I'd love to have for dinner because I want to go, why? Why did you do what you did? And, and how? How did you achieve what you did? So, but, but I settled on Genghis Khan because I thought, cool, that would be a really – interesting conversation like you know the guy was an absolute savage um but also fucking genius like how to do that and then i thought i'm not the best conversationalist i'm gonna need someone there to to get his point so i thought oh fuck it i love joe rogan as well because <laughs> he's funny I, I find him i listen to his part i find him very amusing but also i could just sit back and listen to him and genghis khan and i have a bang in time yeah because um, it's not easy it actually you know uses time to say well done it, you, you've done well at this this has flowed nicely and this is a skill isn't it like it's hard to keep people talking and make it feel natural and, and relaxed and I, I think i would lack that with genghis khan let alone the language barrier so i'd have joe rogan there to help yeah he'd uh he, he's a very unique character isn't he mr rogan oh yeah like, yeah phenomenal and he's he's grown into probably like He's, he's, he's got to be rivaling the biggest media outlets out there now. Uh, oh, yeah, I would I would say he's one of the probably the most influential people in the world. Mm. Um, you know, just from the reach that his show has is is phenomenal. Yeah, no, props props to Mr. Rogan. He's one of the influences behind this podcast. So uh, nice. Number six, your ring walk stroke hype song. So you could be gloved up hooded up ready to get into the ring or the cage what's going to be the one that either puts you in the the calmness before the the storm or the one that's going to fire up the the engine i'm going to go for a fire up and it's um it's it's, it's almost embarrassing but it's cool it's it's soldier boy by um but the travis barker remix the original soldier boy song is like a cheesy rap song from the fucking yeah. But then when Travis Barker, he, he can remix anything and make it fucking legit. And his remix of Soldier Boy, uh, A, the, the, the main bit in the middle is about where it's just pure go is about 90 seconds long. That's my go-to 500-meter track. Right. Um, and it, it never fails to, A, make me smile, but B, uh, you put that song on, 
I feel like I could take the world on. Yeah. No, matter, no matter what mood you're in before, I could be asleep. If I hear that song, I'm I'm going ham. Mm. I'm gonna look. I'm not gonna look that up tonight because it probably uh, unsettle my circadian rhythm. But I'm gonna put that down as a next time I get in the pain cave and throw down. <laughs> Book you've read more than once and why? Uh, Extreme Ownership by Jocko Willink. Yeah. Um, uh, I've I've read it four or five times now, I guess. Second time, I, I read a lot of books. Second time, or not a lot, of, like things like uh, fiction I don't, but non-fiction books I tend to read again because you always miss loads of stuff. Hmm. Um, there's just so many lessons in that book, especially when I was running the gym and I had a team under me you know, that I was ultimately a leader of. There are so many takeaways. And you, you kind of read and you go, yeah, yeah, I'll do that. And then within a month, you've, you've, you're not doing those things. Whereas if you keep reading it and reading it, Right. Oh no! That yeah. Right. I was. I said I was going to do that. So yeah. I, I, not just for leaders. People who who any position where you're going to have, I have to work in a team. It's a, an excellent book for learning how teams work and, for lack of a better term, how you can manipulate that to make you a better part of that team. Yeah. I just love the whole accountability about it. You know, be responsible for your own actions. Yeah. Exactly. Um, which is, and I think that's probably the again a, a huge issue with the world today is no one takes responsibility. <laughs> but, yeah, coming into things, going, no, you're right. The, you your fuck up is my fuck up because mm. I haven't told you how to not make it a fuck up. It's, but, that, that book has definitely made me a better person because um, before I would always try and reach for a typical excuse uh, and almost adopt that victim mentality. And now I've got into I've got into the approach. If I fuck up, I'm like, yeah, I fucked up. I'll, yeah. I'll apologize if I need to, but I'll take away from that fuck up. Right? Why did I fuck up? And this is only going to be the one and only time I fuck up like that. And I'm going to make sure I unpick it and work out how I don't fuck up again. A hundred percent. And and it it blows people's minds when you go to them. No, no, you, you're right. I've fucking dropped the ball here. I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, I, I, I didn't see that. I fucked up. And people, because everyone's prepared for everyone to go. No, no, fuck you. you. This was your fault. And as soon as you, you, you diffuse so many situations, you avoid. I do it with my girlfriend all the time. Where I'm like, no, you're right. That was, that was, that was, that was a dick move on my part. I, um, I fucked up there. And tell that. Oh. Okay, you know, you know, I'm really sorry. Like, I, 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 that won't happen again. And it just, it just knocks the wind out of so many situations. Where previously, I'd have been like, uh, "No, you, you didn't make that clear, actually." Yeah. And then just turns into an argument. Because yeah. no one wants to own it. Whereas once one of you just takes ownership of it, then yeah, it's, it's just it rolls on. It's sorted. Yeah, brilliant book. Favorite film uh, has been my favorite film for years. Is Toy Story the first one? Yeah. Epic, epic film. Um, with the twins coming along, I was secretly fortunate enough to, to watch it multiple times. And um, I've seen one, two, three, and four, but number one for me just. Oh, it's completely, yeah. The, the others are all good, but number one was for, obviously, it hit me at the right age. But even now, I watch it and I'm like, no, this film makes me happy. Yeah. It's a game. It was a game changer, wasn't it? Yeah. Your favorite. Sorry, jumped ahead. What do you do when you start feeling down? 
Well, this can go two ways. I have a, a I have like an addictive personality. Um, so I would either, depending on what's got me down, I'd either have a drink or I'd work out. And those are two, they're the two extremes of, of my life, I guess. Uh, fuck it, I'm going to get drunk or, you know what, I'm going to go work out. Uh, and I, I guess I go through stages in life of favoring one over the other. Uh, at the moment, I'm in a good stage of working out. Um, and I realize, because a drink only ever exacerbates the, the mood, whereas actually I've been in some fucking terrible moods and you finish a workout and you're like, no, I don't, I don't feel better. I just feel better for that. And it hasn't got to be a lot. It hasn't. You can just go sit on the, I'm lucky enough that I have a run machine or a ski erg at home. Um, just go and jump on it for 10 minutes and whatever you were stressing about just feels a little bit better or whatever you're in a funk about just yeah it's kind of oh, all right cool but it could be going for a walk that's also good just that no, fuck it i'm gonna go out and go for a stroll step away from the problem i guess you switch off a little bit if you go for a walk or you work out even if you're mulling it over in your head your body's doing something different and it just snaps you out of it a little bit yeah you're able to just focus on the one thing at hand aren't you and switch off from everything else and it might not necessarily fix or make the problem go away but you'll view it i believe in a different perspective if you've you know you, you don't have to totally end yourself it could just be uh, like you say a, a 15 minute walk or something to just take you away and, and, and think different exactly yeah your favorite method of recovery um so in terms of like recovery from exercise um, I love a good ice bath, like I always have done. I find that effective for me. I know some people are a bit um, negative on the whole concept, but I, a nice bath I find it does help. Mm -hmm. um, but then day to day, just meditation. Um, having that 10, 15, 20 minutes where you switch off, you let your thoughts wander, you focus on your breathing. Um, to mentally, that helps me recover and reset. Uh, I tend to do it after I train, so by the time I get in from a workout in the mornings, I have my breakfast and then I meditate and just and again, it's that prep for the day, it's that recovery from the work at that time. I spend a lot of my time at the start of my meditation digesting my workout, going right, what was, what did you do, uh, what was good, what was bad, how did it feel, was, you know, any injuries, any points of, did you feel tight here, did you feel tight there? And then analyzing that as I'm sitting there, right? So your hips felt tight, your hips feel tight now? No, your left elbow's a bit niggly, does it feel niggly now? And I find that helps me kind of switch off a little bit as well. Mm. Yeah, just give yourself that time to process things. I think that can be massively um, overlooked. Now I've been, um following the Wim Hof method with the ice baths, the cold showers. But nice. For me, the breathing, um, I've done it every day in June so far. Nice. Every time I finish three rounds minimum of the breathing, I just feel, sounds a bit wanky, but just feel recentered. Oh, yeah, no, 100%. Um, breathing exercises are, are fucking massively underrated and it's just that is that that recentering the great word is that bringing everything back to the breath yeah um which is it's what we are at the end of the day we're just a fucking automated breathing machine mm. um and yeah getting back focused on that i think is crucial yeah spirit animal see this is i i didn't really know which route to go down here and you'll like it so i thought all oh, right i bet there's an online quiz which will tell me what my spirit animal is 
So I did I did one. I answered it very honestly and truthfully, and it tells me I'm a fucking butterfly. <laughs> um which uh yeah, I was I was not impressed with. I was hoping I'd get, you know, a best something mildly aggressive. Um but now I got a butterfly. So apparently that is my spirit animal. Nice. Nice. Well, beautiful butterfly, eh? Yeah. <laughs> What's your mantra? When the going gets tough, uh, this is something I always always tell myself when I'm in workouts. Uh, I did it in workouts for years, and I never carried it over into my everyday life until maybe the last year, which is you've been through worse. And I always do it in workouts. When I think of a workout, I'm like, this fucking sucks. I just think of a workout that sucked more, or, or a time that hurt more. If you're doing front squats, you just go, oh, could be thrusters. Mm. You don't pull ups, you got could be chest to bar. Yeah. Um, and then I start applying it to my everyday life when you know uh, when you have a you know a shit day, whether it's at work or in a relationship or, or whatever it is, or you know, the fucking internet's not working. Like, oh, you've been through worse than this. This is not the fucking worst case scenario here. And and it it doesn't doesn't help, doesn't change, doesn't make that row suck any less because it's not as bad as the row you've done before. But it just puts it into like, well, you survived last time. You didn't stop. Mm. Got through it. So you've been through worse. Just keep going. One of our previous guests, this reminds me of his response, but his exact words were, but did you die? Yeah. And that's exactly, yeah, exactly the same concept. Yeah. Favorite treat? Uh, ice cream all day. Uh, ice cream is my, is my weakness. Um, I'm a very controlled, very driven person. Uh, food is, the majority of the time to me, food is fuel. I could eat the same thing every day. I could not eat. I can, if someone says, yeah, eat, yeah, or no, it doesn't fuss me. Food is fuel. Until it comes to ice cream. If there's ice cream in my house, it is getting eaten. If I go in the supermarket and it is on offer, it's getting eaten. If someone offers me some, I'm having it. The, the, I can't, I went to the beach yesterday and I had two ice creams because I'm at the beach and the oh, ice cream van. Oh, there's an ice cream stand as well. Two fucking ice creams gone. Um, cause yeah, that's my, my weakness. It just has a, it's like a, it's literally like a drug for me. Any uh, particular favor flavor or brand or, uh, I love salted caramel. Yeah. Um, yeah, anything salted caramel or like peanut butter cup, Ben and Jerry's, um, cause but I love peanut butter. So that too. Cool. Favorite place in the UK? Uh, I mean, I love being outside. I love being around. Um, it's like big open fields, you know, grass, forests. There's a, there's a place up here in Norfolk called Sheringham Country Park, um, which is somewhere that's, that's not too far from me. I've spent a lot of time there, like growing up and into adulthood. And it's somewhere where you can just it's beautiful. It's on the coast. You can see the sea, but it's it's very hilly, and you just walk out, and you can walk for half an hour, and then there is no one, mm -hmm. no one around, and I love it. I always go in the summer, like a nice hot day, and I will just. It makes me sound like a fucking hippie. I will just lie down, like on a grassy hill by myself, for hours, and just boom, and that's my like reset switch off just yep yeah, world's pretty fucking good type place is Sheringham where the steam uh railway is 
It is, yeah. It's yeah. Thing, yeah. Yeah, we've been there, but we've not been to the country park. So um, we're coming up to Cromer at the end of the month. So I'll have a little look out for that. Yeah, uh, Shannon Country Park's definitely worth a visit. It's, um, it's beautiful. It's got like nice walks through. It's got like these big observation towers. You can go up and you can see fucking half of Norfolk. Like, it's, it's cool. Nice. Top bucket list pick. So this is either something you've done or is left to do. Left to do. And it's funny enough, I went to the beach yesterday, as I said, with my girlfriend, and we were discussing a bucket list and what's top of ours. And uh, mine is shark cage. So to do a, a cage dive with a shark. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah, it's, it's just something I've always been fascinated by because I love being scared. I love being – it's going to part of that discomfort. I like being – and I'm not the world's strongest swimmer. I am not the biggest fan of sharks. So I, for me, that would be a big discomfort. But also, I just think it'd be fucking mind-blowing. Would you ever consider it doing cageless? Uh, no, because I'm not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, who I fuck knows? Like, let's face it, yeah, people do it all the time. Shark attacks are still very rare. Yeah. Um, Maybe, but I would be fucking petrified. I can tell you that for free. Yeah. I think um, you've got to crawl before you walk, right? I think the cage would be a good place to start. Fuck yeah. <laughs> What's your favourite and least favourite exercise movements? Uh, favourite's easy. It's rowing. I love rowing. I'm pretty good at it. I enjoy doing it. Um, and it's just a, it's a good, effective... Like, whether I'm... If I'm in a... If I'm in a mood for like an epic workout, I can row. If I'm in a mood where I just want to have a bit of a mover, I can still row. Like I love it. It's great. Least favorite handstand push-ups. I fucking hate, always have. Never got any bare arm. Um, I like to blame the fact that I've got really long arms, but I also just don't enjoy them, so I don't invest as much time in them as I probably should. Um, and that there's something in a workout I know when they come up, that's why well, that's me not winning that one. Uh, that's going to cost me. So, yeah, fucking handstand push-ups. I hate them. You, you see the way these guys absolutely rip through, not even the kipping ones now, just strict. Uh, the, yeah, they're, when I see people do like, oh, 50 strict unbroken, I'm like, oh, fuck you. Like, I can do like 10. <laughs> yeah. Um, Favourite sport? Uh, MMA. I'm a big MMA advocate. Um, I just, I think it's like, a pure primal sport. I think all competition comes down to, oh, I, I, I can beat you up. And then, no, you can't. And that is just the purest competition, you know. If uh, if Froden and Frazier went head-to-head -head at the games and then it come down to it, you go, I'll just fucking fight each other. <laughs> uh, and then that's really going to tell you who's the better man. Um, so, yeah, uh, MMA. I, boxing, I'm a big fan of boxing as well, um, but I just think yeah, MMA, where you take away a few more of those rules, you expose it a little bit more. Yeah. Um, We're hardwired to either fight to, to preserve our life or defend it, aren't we? Yeah. And, you know, I, I see it in my kids. They're, they're four, four-year-old twins I've got. And if you ever wondered where Brazilian jiu-jitsu come from, you just have to see them because in the split second they'll be playing nicely and then next thing you know one of them's got them in an arm bar or a headlock and just the way they wrestle you know it's, it's such a natural movement and um yeah i've got nothing but admiration for those guys the elite guys you know in the ufc oh they're insane like and i think they're the you know the top tier of our athletes for for well-roundedness and for 
just balls like getting in the cage with someone whose sole purpose is to hurt you yeah um yes yeah, insane cool what advice would you give to a younger you um really simple but relax relax more and enjoy it i think you know you spend all school worrying about exams and fucking social hierarchy and and all these things actually as soon as you leave school you're not going to see barely any of those people again and no one really gives a fuck what you got in your year six sats like no one cares like you spend so much time worrying and, stress. and you obviously need to try you need to focus and stuff but just not stressing about it you know tim if 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 jay in the class doesn't like you the, then nothing you do no matter worrying is going to fucking change that so just make your peace with it relax and enjoy it enjoy the company of the people that do like you um you know yeah don't rush to fucking have stress once you're an adult you have all the stress that you can't get rid of when you're young just fucking enjoy it nice yeah future plans what does the future hold for mr hickford um obviously you know tribe the the online program inside of that developing it um and then a bit of travel that's my um I'm toying with the idea of moving abroad is my next venture. Um, I, you know, I've spent a long time obviously working on the gym, building that up. Before that, I was in the police. I've been pretty non-stop since I was 18. Um, so now I've you know, obviously got a good opportunity to, to reset a little bit and uh, maybe explore a bit more of the world. So that is my future is, yeah, develop tribe, especially the online side of it in terms of programming, remote coaching. Mm-hmm. And then uh, get out there and spend some time abroad. Anywhere in particular that takes your fancy or you, you're musing over? I'm musing over Singapore. Uh, fucking the most expensive place in the world to live. Uh, <laughs> but there's it's just there's a lot of things around there that I want to do. It's kind of a good centre base for that kind of stuff. Mm. Um, so yeah, that is a uh, that's on the hit list at the moment. Um, obviously, COVID currently is. Uh, inhibiting my research trips around that um but yeah that's the that's top of my list at the moment cool and where can people find more about you tim where can they hit you up if they want to come and work with you or look at your coaching or your programming uh instagram is where i tend to hang out um i'm not really a big facebook user so yeah instagram either my personal one which is tim.hickford um, or for my business stuff for, for Tribe, which is a tribe.norfolk. So tim.hickford or tribe.norfolk. I'm pretty active on the old Instagram. Uh, I enjoy it. Um, I didn't use social media for years because police officers don't use social media. So, uh, yeah, now I fully embrace it. Mm. Yeah, that's my jam. Yeah, as I I just I like Instagram. I think it's cool. Yeah, definitely. Dude, I really, really appreciate your time and thank you for coming on. You've been an excellent guest. It's been great catching up with you. And I know our listeners will, um, def- there's a lot of takeaways and, and, you know, for me as well, you've um, you've challenged my sort of own thought process with a couple of uh, things that we've talked about. So, yeah, it's been great having you on. I know, no, thanks for having me. It's been, uh, it's been, I guess, hey, good to catch up. It's been, I mean, it's flown by. It's nearly a couple of hours. It's been, it's been good. Yeah. Um, yeah, thanks for the opportunity, buddy. No worries. All right, bro. Take care. And yourself, dude. Uh, Catch you later. Adios.
Cheers, mate. Boom. Thanks for listening. Really appreciate your feedback. If you could head over to our Instagram site at I am chasing discomfort and let us know your thoughts uh, in regards to this episode and any future guests that you might want us to approach to get onto the podcast. And yeah, thanks for listening. Until then, keep chasing. Peace.